oh no, but I got something seriously wrong in talking through. No, no, no. You you did not at all. Oh, okay. The question does. Welcome once again to the Think Like the Test podcast. I am Ben Caldwell. With me is Carrie Weta. Hey, everybody. And Carrie, when you go to take a licensing exam, who are you? Who am I? Well, I'm who I'm, are you? I'm officially Caroline Elizabeth Weta. Um, so I have to give my driver's license. Um, That's true. You have to identify yourself on the way in. <laughs> yeah. That... But I mean, how do you think about yourself in relation to those questions? Because depending on the exam, they might say, you know, what should the therapist do next? So do you think about it in terms of what would I carry do? Mm. Do you think about it in terms of what is the typical therapist supposed to be? Do you think about it in terms of a, a such and such therapist, like a, a psychologist, MFT, whatever, working in a particular context, in a particular area? Like, how do you think about the therapist in those exam questions? That's a good question. Um, I think about it in terms, I, I think the therapist in those questions uh is the therapist who knows all of the uh, rules and knows exactly how a, th a therapist uh, should act. I'm not sure I see myself as that therapist, but I think I'm trying to think about what that therapist would say. Okay, that's fair. So it's it's more like you think about what is, in your case, an MFT supposed to do here. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily I... what would I carry do here. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be relevant to some of our discussion today. But let's go into our practice question. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. This question comes from the current California BBS exam handbook for the Professional Clinical Counselor Law and Ethics exam. Which of the following situations would constitute an unethical dual relationship? A current client begins to attend an AA meeting where the counselor serves as secretary. A current client and the counselor are both enrolled in the same art class at a local art studio. A counselor continues to receive services from a massage therapist who became a client after having provided services for the counselor. Or two years following a client's termination of therapy, the client and counselor meet each other on the street and decide to have lunch together. Oh boy. Okay. I'm, I may be foolishly overconfident. This is one of those ones where like, I'm like, I know exactly what the right answer is. Um, but let's slow down and fight that impulse. My favorite thing about unethical dual relationships uh, is that not every dual relationship is unethical. Um, that is, that is something that I learned in grad school that I think is, is important because a therapist any therapist, whether it's me or the BBS's idea of a perfect therapist, lives in the real world. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's not unethical inherently. So um, I think the uh, D, two years following a client's termination of therapy, the client and counselor meet each other on the street and decide to have lunch together. I don't think there's anything unethical at all about that. Um, okay. The client and the counselor, they don't have a therapeutic relationship anymore. Um, so there's no influence to to be had like the this them having lunch together together uh cannot like unduly influence uh, the client so 
I think that that's that's fine. Okay, and because you are so confident on that, yeah. um, I'll go ahead and and join you in saying that yes, you're safe to rule that one out. Where some people get tripped up is that they will think that that two year rule applies to any and all multiple relationships. Now, state laws on this can differ, but across the codes of ethics in mental health professions, if there is something like a two year rule or a five year rule, it is specific to romantic or sexual relationships. It does not broaden to all multiple or dual relationships. And sometimes people make the mistake of thinking, okay, two years is the magic number. After that point, we can have a coffee or whatever. And that's that's right. just not how that duration typically works. So you're right to rule out D. Go on. Okay. Um, and then I'm looking at... Uh... Uh, a current client begins to attend an AA meeting where the counselor serves as secretary. I think it's worth a discussion. I think certainly like the the counselor should bring it up with the client uh, in therapy and talk about, you know, how, do, how does client feel about that? Like, you know, what what should we do about this? But I don't think that the, inherently that constitutes an unethical dual relationship. So that's I'm going to I'm going to cross out a. Okay. Um, B, a current client and the counselor are both enrolled in the same art class at a local art studio. Um, again, I don't think that this is unethical uh, at, at all. Um, I think it leaves open enough room for, you know, I, I think, again, this is a situation where you as a counselor want to have a conversation with your client in session about this situation and how does the client feel about it. Um, but in and of itself, them being in the same art class uh, doesn't, shouldn't affect the therapy. Um, but see, <laughs> a counselor continues to receive services from a massage therapist who became a client after having provided services for the counselor. That, in that situation, there is a massage therapist a therapist starts going to that massage therapist for massages and then takes on the massage therapist as a client and continues to go get massages from the therapist, uh, from the massage therapist. I think that becomes a little uh, iffy. Now I'm, now I'm second guessing myself because am I just, weirdy like tw like like getting weirded out because it's specifically a massage therapist um but no i i don't think that's what it is i think it's it's the fact that they are both providing services to each other that like ostensibly exchanging money for the service and so that makes each each one of their incomes kind of not entirely depends but is influenced by the other and so I think that that can really muddy the therapeutic relationship. Um, the massage therapist client uh, may feel like they in in session, like they can't push back against their psychotherapist because they don't want to lose them as a massage therapy client um, and vice versa. The psychotherapist, uh, you know, might not uh push the the massage therapist client where you know they don't want to go in therapy because they want to keep getting those great massages um i think there's just too much influence that could be possible uh in this context i'm gonna say it's c 
All right. Well, I appreciate the talking it through. You're correct in terms of the question. Oh, no, but I got something seriously wrong in talking through. No, no, no. You, you did not at all. Oh, okay. The question does. And so this question comes from the current BBS exam handbook for professional clinical counselor law and ethics. And I'll say, I actually don't like the structure of this question. And it's not common that you would see this kind of structure on an exam. You might, but it wouldn't come up very often. Typically what they do is they give you a case vignette Mm -hmm. and they ask you to apply your legal and ethical knowledge to that case vignette. So be it. You might get a couple of weird questions like this on your actual test. I think it's weird, but that in and of itself is, is not necessarily a problem. Where I take issue with this one is, is the, the absolutism. Mm. The question is asking which of these would be an unethical dual relationship. And it says that C would be an unethical dual relationship. This is for the Counselor Law and Ethics exam. I got the ACA Code of Ethics right here in front of me. And this kind of a multiple relationship, while you are right to think about it in the way that you're thinking about it, it could potentially impact the clinical relationship. We don't do like bartering. It's it's multiple roles. It's potentially uncomfortable in a whole lot of different ways. But the actual language of the ACA Code is less than absolute when it comes to prohibiting this kind of relationship or declaring it to be unethical. In fact, the language of the ACA Code of Ethics has a a reasonable amount, in my mind, of flexibility. So uh, Section A6 in the ACA Code is all about professional boundaries, maintaining professional relationships. And uh, A6A talks about taking on someone as a client when you've had a previous relationship with them. And the ACA code says, counselors consider the risks and benefits of accepting as clients those with whom they've had a previous relationship. Give some examples of what those relationships might look like. When counselors accept these clients, they take appropriate professional precautions, such as informed consent, consultation, supervision, and documentation to ensure that judgment is not impaired and no exploitation occurs. And that's pretty common in how the codes generally language their dual relationship cautions. We want to avoid exploitation and we want to make sure that clinical judgment is not impaired. Now, that's absolutely a risk here in this question, right? If a counselor is continuing to receive services from the massage therapist, then it's likely to impact that counseling relationship. The counselor's judgment is likely to be influenced by what they know about the massage therapist from this other environment. There are lots of good reasons to not engage in this multiple relationship. But to say in this absolute way, this would constitute an unethical dual relationship, man, the the code is a little bit squishier than that. What if you're in a rural area Uh, And what if the therapist needs massage for medical reasons? I think if you're an examinee, there is a non-zero chance that you will encounter a question like this that is poorly written and that is more absolute about ethical obligations than your code itself is. And the best guidance I can give you there is to do the best you can you know, consider at the center risk to the client. 
And okay, yes, I see the potential risk to the client here if things go south and certainly how the, the relationship between counselor and client is going to be weird anyway. Like I get that C is the correct answer here. But this is not a super precise instrument. And questions sometimes are written in ways that aren't great. And I think it helps as an examinee to know that going in. I think it helps to know that these questions are written by people. They sometimes don't write them all that well. And when you get a question on your exam that you sort of look at sideways and you're like, wait, that doesn't quite make sense. Or no, I, I think I know what you're going for, but the ethics code doesn't actually say that. Hopefully, that's just one of your unscored items on the test. <laughs> Do not fall into a rabbit hole of spending 30 minutes on that item. Do the best you can with it. Consider, yeah, I think they screwed up writing that one and then move on to the next thing. That, that makes sense? Of, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that if I, I think if I had given myself like any extra time to think about this, I could absolutely have worked myself into a total pretzel. Oh, totally. And I think lots of people do. They get a question like this and they they come to what sounds like probably the right answer. And they're like, but wait a minute. Right. It does sort of bring us back to from the start of this episode, who are you or who are you supposed to think about as the clinician when you take your exams? I think for a lot of examinees, if you focus on what would you personally do here, right. that's actually not a helpful road. I think it is more helpful for the purposes of the exam to think about what is the quote unquote right answer here? What is the book learning answer, mm -hmm. right? What is the answer devoid of all other context and focused just on the limited information that's in front of me? If I think of, as you were saying at the beginning, sort of what I think a therapist is supposed to do even if that doesn't necessarily line up with what I clinically think is for the best, right? you're probably better off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a kind of mindset I'll have to like train myself to get into uh, because otherwise I can imagine how I might start like looking at these questions and being like, well, how would Carrie, what would Carrie do in this situation? And right? that's going to take me off into the weeds for sure, for sure. If you're interested in learning more about your exams, preparing well for them, Take a look at our programs at bencaldwelllabs.com. That's B-E-N-C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L-L-A-B-S.com. Until next time, take care.